0: Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media, to make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, the ages of all ages. Amen. So tomorrow night we will have our celebration of the Coptic New Year, which is this year on Tuesday instead of on on the 11th, it will be on the 12th, and that's why the church has been reading these readings to us for the past few weeks to remind us as we celebrate the end of a year that comes upon us all of a sudden, the end of this will also come upon us suddenly. But the Lord says today, see I've told you all these things beforehand. He's telling these things to us beforehand so we're not shocked and we're not surprised and we're not afraid. None of us here is called to live in fear of these things. There are some who will receive these things in fear and there are some who receive these things in anticipation. So it depends on my outlook on my life on earth. Am I a sojourner here or am I a settler here? Ask yourself this question. Are you sojourning? Are you just coming through? Heading back home? Are you settling here? I believe those who choose to settle here are those who are going to be most afraid. Because here is not permanent. The kingdom of heaven that is within you, that is what will last. That's why when the Lord says at the end of the gospel, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. If you notice in verse 30, It said, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. The sign of the Son of Man, the cross, will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. We were speaking about this last night during Vespers. How the disciples, when they saw the Lord ascending into the heavens, they were looking at this awesome sight of their Lord who had just been crucified and died weeks before, was resurrected in full glory, and then these days later ascended into the heavens. And they were staring at the sky. They were struck by this awesome sight of their Lord ascending into heaven, into the clouds. And then the angels told them, what you're seeing happening now, you will see again. He will come again in this glory. Now, It says, all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Why will they mourn? If again, at the end of the book of Revelation, when the Lord Jesus says, as He said today, when you see these things happening, in verse 33, it says, so you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. It says earthquakes, pestilences. You've seen these things. Just yesterday, that horrible earthquake that occurred in Morocco, You're seeing these things before your eyes happening. Now, they're not happening for us to be entertained by the news channel. They're happening to remind us that, see, he has told us all these things beforehand. Now, again, why has he told us all these things beforehand? That we may live in anticipation of joy, not in fear. As a Christian, you're not called to fear. When Solomon says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that, that is the beginning. Fear should be the beginning of your journey with Christ. As you grow closer to Him and know Him more and seek to know Him more and say, Lord, grant to me to know You. Grant me to love You. Grant me to know You in spirit and truth as you told the Samaritan woman, as you grow in this grace and knowledge as St. Paul was telling us in his epistle today, St. Peter in his They were telling us about these things to remind us, to encourage us, to prepare us, to strengthen us. So we're not living in fear, but living in anticipation. As I was saying a moment ago, when the Lord said at the end of the book of Revelation, He said, surely I am coming quickly. St. John the Beloved responded in a way that you and I are called to respond. St. John didn't respond in fear. He said, amen, even so come Lord Jesus. He was anticipating. He was looking forward to something. Now, again, back to verse 30, it said, Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. So, for sure, you being a Christian will recognize this sign. If we're still on earth at the second coming, then we will recognize the cross. Right? We've we've signed ourselves with the cross countless times. We've said in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen, countless times. We say the name of the cross. We praise the cross. We've celebrated the feast of the cross twice a year, yearly for years and years and years. So we're not going to be surprised when we see the sign. However, still some will mourn. Christians are not called to mourn at that moment. Because again, as you see right after that, All the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. They're going to mourn. Those who will mourn is because they have basically co-mingled with this earth. And rather than striving to truly be a sojourner here and remember where they came from and where they're heading back, they lived in fear and anticipation. The integrity that they were called to live with, in other words, when no one is looking, When your wife is not looking, when your husband is not looking, when your kids are not looking, when your boss at work doesn't know, that is integrity. That is the pursuit of inner sanctification. Because they did not hold on to this, they live in fear. For sure, I'm afraid to get caught. Many people live in fear. I'm afraid someone will find out. I'm afraid to get caught. I'm afraid my husband will find out. I'm afraid my wife will notice. I'm afraid my children will see. This, this drop in inner integrity, this drop in integrity is fear. And then for sure we will mourn on that day with the rest of the tribes of the earth. And yet there are Christians from every tribe, race, color, and tongue who will stand before the throne and praise God who reigns forever who is and who was and who is to come. And they will see in glory, in joy this moment. This is our call. When the church prays at the end after we've commemorated the saints who have preceded us, we ask them to remember us as we remember them, as that great cloud of witnesses witnesses and prays on our behalf. And heaven and earth get closer and closer at that moment. We're told and the church prays for us, the priest intercedes and says, we also are sojourners. In this place. Keep us in your faith. And grant us your peace unto the end. We are sojourners. If you're a settler here. I'm worried for you. I fear for you. As I fear for me. If I choose to take the mindset of the settler. I'm asking you. I'm imploring you. I'm exhorting you. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. On behalf of our Lord Jesus Christ. Become a sojourner here. You don't belong here. Be active citizens. Work and strive and learn and get your education and and help your community and serve your church and serve your community and get to know your neighbors. Preach the gospel. Do all these things, but do them with the mindset of a sojourner, not a settler. Please. It's the settlers that will mourn because they will feel that, that their life is ending. That what they've built and known and grown comfortable with is coming to an end. But the sojourners will say, Amen, even so come, Lord Jesus. Bring us back home. Bring us back home. The Lord Jesus Christ, when praying on our behalf with drops of blood streaming down His forehead in the Mount of Olives, and He prayed. You can read the full prayer in John chapter 17 in the Gospel. He prayed fervently for us. And one of the most beautiful parts of the prayer is he prayed and said, I do not pray that you, Father, that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. You are kept. The grace of God surrounds you. The church sends you off with that grace every time you come and go. May the love of God the Father, the grace of His only begotten Son, the gift and fellowship with the Holy Spirit will be with you all. The Church sends you off with this reminder that the Holy Trinity is with you. The grace of God is always with you. He has promised you this at the end of His Gospel in St. Matthew: "Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." The world we live in is trying to. It's like it's like you and I are a boat sailing in the ocean of this world. We're a boat. How does a boat stay afloat? How does the boat not drown? in the ocean of this world? How do boats go and come back and forth and they don't sink? What's the difference between a boat that has sunk or is sinking and the boat that can float and go through all kinds of tides and storms? What is the difference? Very simple difference. You know for sure what is the difference. Anyone? Before we fall asleep, anyone? What is the difference? Hmm? I heard people starting to announce. Say again. Hmm? I hear again but it's so faint. It's not broken. So where is the water outside? When does the water cause the boat to sink? It gets inside. You are of the you are in this world but you're not of it. This is how you don't sink. This is how you won't sink. No matter what this world does the Lord saw, said there, Take heed that no one deceives you. Do not let this world deceive you. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. The world is passing away and its lust. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Do not let the world come in. You're in it. You're called to be in it. Preserved and kept by the power of God. But not of it. You do not belong here. You're a sojourner, not a settler. Just keep that. Always in the back of your mind. When the Lord rained fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. And he told Lot and his wife and daughters. Run, flee from this death. But don't look back. And that's why the Lord says remember Lot's wife. Remember what happened to her. She was on her way out. But there was a bit of the world inside. Drowning her. So she had to look back. When the church has looked towards the east, it's not just to physically look towards the east, but to remember, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Don't keep your eyes behind you. Don't keep looking. You don't need eyes in the back of your head. You need your spiritual eye inside your heart to keep you oriented towards the Orient, towards the east, towards the Lord at all times. In the book of Revelation, the Lord gives a message to seven the seven churches of the book. The seven churches receive a message, and we've spoken of Ephesians not too long ago. If you go and read, each church has received a particular message, a particular exhortation, a particular warning. Now the church of Sardis, the fifth church, received a very, very important message and warning. And here's what the Lord said to the church of Sardis. He said to them, said to the angel of the church in Sardis, write, Revelation chapter 3 verse 1, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He says, I know your works, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. It's very harsh to hear that. You have a name, you look alive, you're breathing, you're living, you're walking, you're talking, you're eating, you're drinking, but you're dead. How can this be? How could a church die? The Lord says that the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. What happens to that soul, that little church, that mini church, and that church family, and that church church, and so on? What happens? The world enters in. Water starts to come in and begins to sink the boat. It doesn't flop underwater in a second. As you know, it takes time for that sinking to occur. So he says to them, be watchful. Be watchful and strengthen the things that remain. The things which remain that are ready to die. How are they ready to die? They will die if they sink. They will die if the water comes in and drowns them. Keep the water out. If you were with your children on a boat and you were sailing with them, if there was any fear of drowning, you would be running like crazy on this boat, making sure you do everything possible to make sure you bring them to the harbor alive, to bring them to the harbor safe, to bring them to the harbor dry. You would do everything in your power to do that. This is the same analogy we need today more than ever, especially the Christian world. This was preached to a church. This wasn't just uh, to the non-believers. The Lord says, how much more should this be preached to the people of faith? If we're not cautious, how? He says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How will we escape? How are we any better? He says, if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing. So ask yourself, am I co-mingling with this world? Am I, I mean, there was a time, like for example, during the, the early church when... At the time of those martyrs like Tertullian, he once said, you will not find among the Christians one thief or one adulterer. You cannot find that in the Christians. He says the Christians were so distinct. They were known in the early church as the people of the way, capital W. They were so different and distinct, you cannot tell. But as you know, sadly, in the world we live in today, it's hard to tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. It's hard to tell the difference. We have become so similar. We have become so similar that it's hard to tell the difference. This message is not saying we're supposed to be better. It's not about better. It's about being perfected and imitating our Lord. It's not a difference. We're not better than anyone else. But we have a truth that we are called to implement and live by and practice. This is the only way we'll bring others to Christ. Because all will Know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So these examples, that the practice of the Christian faith, the practice of the Christian walk is what will discern and make a difference between the wheat at the end of time and the tares at the end of time, as the Lord Jesus says. So he says, remember therefore how you have received. Remember how you received this message when you were baptized, when your parents brought you to the faith. When you came to Christ with your own two feet and believing in this faith, remember how you received and how you heard. That's right, many times the Lord says in the Gospels and in the book of Revelation, whoever has has ears to hear, let him hear. Remember how you received and heard? Hold fast and repent. Hold on tight. When he says hold fast, he means hold on tight. Hold on tight and don't let go. Of your calling. You are called to be a saint. Let the Lord rejoice in fulfilling that calling in you. He says, remember therefore how you received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief. It will be unexpected. You will mourn just as these people will mourn at the end of time. And you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Then he says, you have a few names, even in Sardis, even in that dead church, you have a few names in Sardis who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. There are those who have refused to defile their garments. They have refused to commingle with this passing world. They said, I live in it, I'm not of it, I am a sojourner, not a settler, period. This is what they have told themselves, and they repeat this every single day, every morning. They tell themselves this message. I'm passing through. I don't belong here. I belong there. I'm passing through. They kept saying this. So the Lord finishes his message to Sardis and says, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. and will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So when the Lord speaks about this garment not being defiled, St. James explained it to us in his letter. And he says, if anyone among you thinks he is religious. By the way, you're not called to be religious. You're called to be a Christian. You're not called to be religious. You're called to imitate your Christ and walk in his footsteps. He says, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, does not watch what he says and how he slanders or gossips his brother and stabs him in the back with his words, or says whatever that is co-mingling with this passing world, he tells him, this one's religion is useless. It's useless. You can throw it in the dustpan. It's useless. He goes on to say, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. This is repentance. It's like you have spaghetti and sauce, flies onto your brand new crisp white linen, what do you do? You rush quickly and wash it off. You don't want that spot. You just bought this brand new shirt. Your brand new shirt, that white crisp shirt, is your faith, is your Christian calling, is your saintlihood, is your holiness, is the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. As soon as a spot comes on it, you rush and wash. Rush and wash. That's why to the church of Sardis it says, there are some among you who have kept their garments unspotted. So if there's something that falls on your garment, go wash it. Right away. Don't let your soul be having a hint of anything from this passing world. If you feel something has come and soiled you on the inside. Judgment, lust, hatred, lack of forgiveness, uh, slander, gossip. Any, it says not even a hint of any of these things. Not even As soon as this hits, wash it. That's why the church gives us at our disposal the mystery of repentance and confession. To wash periodically. You took your best shower this morning. You smell fresh. You smell great. You're going to need another shower later tonight or tomorrow. You're not going to shower next Sunday. For sure you're going to shower again. This is that constant washing and the constant unspotting of myself. That's why St. Peter calls us pilgrims in this world. That's why St. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why St. Ignatius of Antioch says, do not have Jesus Christ on your lips and the world in your heart. You and I have to remember that. This message is for me first and foremost, but it's also for you. It's for all of us. The boat will not sink unless we let the water in. The boat will not sink unless we let the water in. Do not have Jesus Christ on your lips and the world in your heart. Let us pray together, please, and say, Lord, enable us to not imitate the world, but imitate you. And I promise you, by imitating Him with all your heart, you will naturally lead others to Him. You'll be just like a clear and clean channel leading others to Him, to the truth, to the light, to the love, to the holiness, to the righteousness. This is our calling. Please remember, please remember, please remember, we are sojourners, not settlers. You are in the world, not of it. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart, and we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.